Good morning. Good morning. Look at someone. Look at someone and say, good morning. I am so glad you're here. <laughs> I want to talk to you about knowing what is precious. I was thinking, going through some of my stuff that I have, I have this book by um, uh, a, a preacher that was a great evangelist preacher, Dio Moody, and it dates, it's a very, very, very old book. And... Um, and I had all these different things that I have, and I was going to bring something that's precious. But I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. What's precious to you? What is precious to you? I mean, yeah, you're probably going to say your electric bike, huh? Or your dog, right? One of those? <laughs> What's precious to you? I want you to know that because we need to answer that question because we're going to be talking about that very word because Peter is big on this word, precious. Sometimes... What is precious is something that has great value. And if it has great value, it's precious to you. We say, well, my children are valuable. And that is true. But I also want to say to you, how often do you do something to communicate your love for them? If your children like to go out to eat, you take them out to eat. If your children like to uh, go um, you know, fishing, do you go fishing? Do your children like to talk to you on the phone? Do you talk to them on the phone? Do they like to text? Do you text? Do you learn something new? I mean, what are you willing to do so the things that you say is precious is seen not just by our words but through our actions? Today, Peter is going to define, describe, and share so we see what the understanding of precious is when it comes to our faith. What is deeply treasured, truly loved, comes from the heart. So let me share something with you that you probably don't know. How many right now, raise your hand if this is true, you're breathing? Okay, I see a, no, I see a few that's not. Lord, please resuscitate them now. Yeah, we don't think about breathing, do we? But let me give you some... And how many would agree that breathing is precious? Come on. <laughs> okay, we're on the same page. A doctor describes how precious the miracle of taking a breath is in his book, Every Deep Breath. He's a critical care doctor. His name is Wef Eli. And he explores the miracle of breathing. We take it for granted, our ability to breathe every person here will breathe up to from 17,000 to 30,000 times a day. It depends on what you end up doing. If you exercise, you're going to be huffing and puffing a little bit more. We do it again and again. We breathe and we think nothing of it, but how many would it say breathing is precious, right? Well, let's look a little bit about what goes on when God gave us a breath. Yet lungs are incredible, complex, and the respiratory system made up of so many different active structures and functions. Cells with hair-like projections called cilia move fluid, goblet cells, secrete muscles, and columns like cells in lines and, and that protect. 
Our lungs have cells that are integral parts of our nervous system, our lymphatic system, and our immune system. It's all tied together. They contain a cartilage of elastic tissues, connective tissue muscles, and glands, and all of these give rise to a system of airways. Someone say a system of airways. This is important. A system of airways that is 1,500 miles long, it would, if you put all of the system of airways that are in your lungs, you could go from New York City to Dallas. And these are the filters that every ounce of air that comes into your body takes place. Your lungs are incredible feet of God, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But sometimes we don't always feel so precious. One system is so incredible when you look at how these lungs work and what takes place for it to breathe properly and how it happens. We take that for granted. We breathe and don't think nothing of it. I want to talk to you today about what's knowing what's precious because Peter's about to take us all on a journey today because he sees your faith, his faith, and the people he's talking to those that are righteous, that have experienced the same transformational power, that their faith is precious. Your faith is precious in the sight of God. Look at your neighbor and let them know that. Let's, let me, uh, first of all, um, let you understand that during 1 Peter, um, Peter, 1 Peter and 2 Peter have a lot in common at that time, there is a lot of false doctrines going on. There's a lot of Christians being challenged in their faith because when challenges and trials and problems come up, guess what? It really challenges us of what we believe. And sometimes people get led, uh, led astray. But Peter is actually going to challenge the readers. He's going to challenge each one so that they all understand the importance of their faith. Let me just share it with you in First Peter chapter 1. Let's take four verses today. Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received the faith as precious as ours. Uh, how many have ever seen Lord of the Rings? Anybody seen Lord of the Rings here? How many know the character of Gollum? Does anybody? Okay, I see. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, Gollum, I'm not going to do the impression, though I want to. I really do. I could do a good one. <laughs> but Gollum, once he finds this ring in his younger years, he kills somebody because it's so precious. And there's like a power, a wicked spell that's over this ring. And so it caused him to kill his very best friend because he wanted something, because he saw it as being so precious. And when we see things as precious, we get consuming over it, you see. And Gollum, it consumed his whole life. And when he had that ring in his hand, it was so precious. It had such value to it. I want you to understand something. When's the last time, when's the last time you saw God's word, God, the faith that you have, the journey that you have as being precious? Because sometimes when we go through struggles and situations, we don't realize that God has given us what we need already, everything that we need, and we'll talk about that very shortly. Let's read verse 1. Again, and as we read it, I want you to look what he's saying, and especially the last verse. 
Simon, Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Servant is important. That's a slave. That's a doulos. That's, that's a person who's all in. We'll talk about that. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, meaning the righteousness that comes by Christ, what he's provided, have received the faith as precious as ours. Peter is writing to people who have accepted Jesus Christ, who need encouragement. Look at your neighbor and say, have you ever needed encouragement? Just tell them, absolutely. Everybody needs encouragement. And Peter's about to do that, but how does he describe himself? He describes himself as a servant. We are a people who don't want to serve, we want to be served. We don't want to give, we want to get. We, we want everything our way, but we don't want to be a servant, we want people to serve us. I mean, there are some times I've been in a restaurant and I've seen some people sitting at the table making, making the people who are in the restaurant run all over the place. I'm telling you what, they just, they're not happy about anything. They don't realize, but that young man or young lady is a human being. They happen to have a job, but they, it's like a nurse. Angie probably can bear witness with this one. They have so many patients, they cannot be everywhere. Giving everybody 100%, they're only human. Can you give everybody 100% all the time, every day? All the, no. But Paul's saying, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And this is what he's saying. I am sold out to the one I love. Let me ask you a question. When have you looked in the mirror and saw yourself as a servant? Not as one to receive but from others, but to give to others. Not the one to... Uh, give, uh, receive from God, but to give to God. I like what Robert Kennedy said. Ask not what your country could do for you, but what you could do for your country. What a great statement. But I'll go top that. Ask not what God can do for you, but what you can do for God. Because this is what servanthood is. It's not about you. It's about him. And when you make it about him, he'll take care of everything else. And sometimes, sometimes we miss it because we focus on, here we go, us. Paul's starting off and reminding the people he's a servant. He's a simple servant who's committed, and he's talking to people that have faith just like he's experienced. They have experienced the same thing. It's a beautiful thing. He writes to those who have been transformed, experienced this precious faith. How many remember Romans 10, 17? What a beautiful portion of Scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. You want to get strong in your faith? you got to be in the word of God. And we'll go talk about this. Let me sure, share something with you from the book of John. John chapter 20, look what it says. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, watch this now, you may have life in his name. How many rejoice when you just read that? Huh? Life. Living in faith every day. Life. Huh? How many of you want to live in faith every day, huh? 
yeah, I'm going to live in faith every day. I have life. God wants you to be a servant. I like how Peter's opening this up because he's opening it to people who are under some pressure, under people who have doctrines that are leading other people astray. And they're having some struggle. And he's encouraging them of what God has done in them. But I want you to understand, before Peter starts to do this, he lets them know who he is. He's a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we need to recognize that we're servants. We're here to serve. It's not about labels. It's not about position. It's not about power. It's about servanthood. And the one who serves well will do well. And I just want you to know, it's, just say this, just say this. It's not about me. Come on, just say, say it like you really mean it. You know, it's not about me. Because when you get a transformation with God, God says, are you ready to be a doulos? Are you ready to serve me? You see, a lot of times people have a knowledge of God, but they don't have a service of God. And God's not concerned about how much you know about him. He's concerned about what you're going to do in him. It's about what we do in obedience. Someone say obedience. obedience. Oh, my, my, my. So why is, why is faith precious? Well, let me read you this. It comes from 1 Peter because we're going to know a little bit later how much the word precious is one of Peter's favorite words. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says in verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways life handed down from you from your forefathers. You know, you were lost, you were doing your own thing. Look at verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Look at verse 20 says. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Someone say, my sake. Yeah, God has done this, and what he's given you is precious. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Peter is constantly reminding the people of what you've received, and what you receive is precious. It's more precious than anything you have. Your faith, your relationship with God is only as good as the amount of time you spend with him. We're going to be talking about this really coming up very, very shortly here because most people want a good relationship with God, but the question is, it doesn't happen. And they're wondering, like, why is not my relationship with God the way it wants it? Why am I having all these problems? And why am I not getting answers? And why, 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 why? Let's talk about it. Look what it says in verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Oh, I love that. Through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Grace and peace be yours in abundance. What does abundance mean? Yeah, more than you can handle. Wait a minute. God says grace and peace be yours in abundance. He didn't say a little grace for you, a little bit more grace for you. You need a lot of peace. Uh, no. He says grace and peace be yours in abundance through the what? What is that word? Knowledge. knowledge. Your knowledge of God is the application of your understanding of God's grace. Hey, let me put it. The more you know about God's character, 
the greater you're going to understand about God's grace. And the greater you understand about God's grace, the deeper you're going to be in his peace. People say, well, I, I, I don't really feel that. Well, you don't feel it is because you're not in God's word. Now, I tell people all the time to read their Bibles because I have this saying I say it all the time, you want to know the author, you have to what? Read the book. Reading the book, you gain knowledge. God has given you the grace and the peace you need. But look what it says, in abundance, what is it through? It's through the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is knowing God. When you know God, mm-mm-mm. Let me, let me just share something. When you know God and who God is, and you have a situation, but you know who he is because you know the character of God, we sung the song, God is faithful. Amen? So when your problem rises up, is he not faithful? Is he only faithful when things are going good? Is he not faithful awful when things are not going good? When a suddenly comes your way, is he still faithful? When a blessing comes your way, is he still faithful? You see, our, his faithfulness is not according to a condition or how we're feeling. His faithfulness is a state. He's faithful. But we may go through some hardships. We may go through some tough times. But knowing the character and the attributes of God is what causes us to have grace and peace. Grace is usually a gift that God gives us. It's a beautiful gift that God gives us. It's, a, it's this beautiful, unmerited favor, God's grace lavished upon you, and peace is a greeting that's often used. Peace be with you. Just look at someone and say, peace be with you. <laughs> it's a greeting. Some countries greet each other with that word peace. God says he's given it to abundance. So let me ask you a question. Do you have an abundant peace in your life? You've got to ask that question. Because if you don't have an abundant peace in your life, there's a reason why. Because his grace and his peace is given to us when we get the knowledge. We spend time and we get understanding through his way, his word, so we can do his work. That comes from understanding God's word. If you're not going to read God's word, study God's word, and let his spirit speak to you and lead you, and, make, and, and the more you get to know God, the more you know when he speaks. Amen? Mm, amen. I, I want you to get this. These are two blessings that Peter is letting the people know that they have this peace and grace in abundance. In abundance. I, I was thinking the other day, I was thinking about God's peace and about a couple situations and stuff, and as you go through a situation, still having the peace. You know, when I, when I first went to the doctor and the doctor said some terrible things that, you know, that when you hear those things from a doctor, you know, um, it, it, doesn't, it didn't set me back because I really just had a peace. I, I just had a peace. And I guess the reason why I had a peace is because I've always looked at my life as very simple. I'm his. No matter what, I'm his. I'm just sold out. I'm his. I'm a dead man walking, and I just trust him. And so when he used the C word, I didn't, I didn't mess up or anything. I just said, well, my God's on the throne, and I'm just going to trust him. And as it got worse and just got, it got really lousy and it went on for a long time, I had peace through the whole thing. And then God finally spoke. When God finally spoke and he said, you're good, I still didn't understand that. When, you're, when you don't feel good, <laughs> you know, 
and God says you're good, but you don't really feel good, what are you going to listen to, God's word or how you feel? Come on, you see? You see, I had to make a choice of knowing who God was, understanding God, the knowledge of God, gave me the grace and peace of God, knowing who he is. So I could have took my own thinking and just ran with it, and all I'm going to do is bring depression and allow the devil to steal, kill, and destroy. You see? But it never fazed me right from the very beginning. Never fazed me because I am assured I am his no matter what happens. We have to come to that point where we know God even when trials come and don't care so much about what other people think. I'm so past that. I'm not out to really gain any popularity. There's only one that I care to get popularity with. It's the audience of one. Why don't you give him praise, can you? He worthy. Look what Philippians 4 says. Philippians 4 says this. Do not be anxious about anything. What does anything mean? <laughs> the Greek word for anything is anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and, and watch what happens now. When you do the first part, the second part comes. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, why? How do I get the scripture alive in my heart and life? How does this happen? Spend time in God's word. Spend time with the Lord and his word, not getting so busy that we forsake that quality, intimate time with God. We can get, we all, come on now, we can all get too busy. Amen? Can't every time I talk about business, I can't help remember the bumper sticker that I put on for everybody else. Do you remember the time that everybody put bumper stickers on your car? Watch this now. How many had bumper stickers on your car when you were younger? Raise your hand. That, come on. You had a, any bumper sticker, anything at all. You had a sticker on your car. Go one. Let's say when you were 20 years old. 20 years old. Okay? Go raise your hand. When you were 20 years old, your first car, did you have any bumper stickers on it of anything? One, two, three. Anybody, that's it? All right. How many of you have bumper stickers now on your car? <laughs> Not one. <laughs> See, bumper stickers used to be big and popular. I used my car as a witness machine. I remember I had Yodio uh, Sam, the guy there with the two guns, turn or burn, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I had another one that said, um, um, what do you want, smoking or no smoking in hell? <laughs> you know, something like that. I was really bold with my bumper stickers. And then I went to court one day, and they said, do you have any bumper stickers on your car? <laughs> I said, I sure do. But I remember one, if you're too busy for Jesus, you're too busy. And that's why we miss the peace of God sometimes where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. Come before God. That's a habit. That's a relationship. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guide your heart and mind in Jesus. Problem is, we worry more than we pray. We worry more than we pray. We get all, you know, it's just, it's just gonna, it's gonna drain you. Gonna drain you. Worrying does nothing for our life, and yet we continue to do the same thing over and over again, expecting great results. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. And the reason why it's not gonna happen is because God's not in charge of it. You rather worry than pray. 
And God wants you to pray so the worry be gone. You know that staying be gone? Go ahead and pray, and, the, and God will take care of the rest. You do your best, God will take care of the rest. Let me share something else with you in Ephesians chapter 1. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Now, watch this now. With some spiritual blessing. What does it say? Every spiritual blessing in Christ. He has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is exactly what Peter is trying to bring across to the believers. So verse 1 and 2 are pretty simple. Then he really does some great work by the power of the Holy Spirit in verse 3. Before I go to verse 3, let me just say this. True wisdom starts with a heart full of faith, not a head full of facts. You know, we know a lot sometimes. But faith is like, as soon as someone says something negative to you, you focus on negativity and you forget everything God said. Come on now. How many could they owe me? That's me. Yeah, one word. Someone says something negative about you or a bad report. You focus on that report. You get all down. You're miserable. But God has said so much and give you a testimony of all these years, and it goes right out of the window just because of a bad situation. Where is that precious faith? Peter is trying to encourage people then, and even to us, the Spirit of God is trying to do the same. You have a precious, precious faith that's in God that all things are possible. Look what he says in verse 3. I love this. This is where I don't know if I can contain myself. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Did you catch that? His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. People say, well, I don't know if I can do that, Pastor. I, I, I don't know. No, no, it's not. It, God's already told you he's given you what you need for life. And the question is, is really the second part. He's given us everything for life and godliness through what? Through what is it again? Knowledge. Gnosis. Knowledge. The knowledge of God. We spend very little time in our Bible, saints. We spend very little time getting to know the character of God. We spend plenty of time with this and with that, but how much time do we get to know God, want to get to know God? So we have a knowledge of God, so the knowledge is up, then gives us the application. If you know something and don't do it, do you really know it? It doesn't matter how much we know, saints. It matters on what we do. You see, God wants us to be doers of the word, not hearers, at least we deceive ourselves. And I'll tell you what, saints, some of us, we know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. We don't want to go out of our comfort zone. We want to stay right in our comfy chair. We don't want to dis dis discomfort us. We are people who don't like getting outside the box. But in order for God to do a work in you, you need to recognize how precious he is, how precious this faith is, and what he's provided in this great faith. Because he has provided everything, oh my, 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 everything you need, good times and in bad times. 
But in order for you to understand here, he's provided everything you need for life and godliness. You need to recognize it comes through our knowledge. That you, if you don't study the word, you'll never know the word. You don't spend any time. You know, I, I know people will say stuff like, you know, pastor this and, you know, pastor, you know, he thinks we can just do, you know. Yeah, you can read your Bible every day. Yes, you can. And if you don't, it's because you have something you love better than God. Okay, if that can't say it any straighter, love me, hate me, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you can't put God first, then it really says that you, something else is more precious to you. Because you're putting something more precious than the precious relationship of Jesus Christ. You want your relationship to grow? Then you need to put God first. He has to be your first love. Because what we love is what we do. We find time for everything we want to find time for. But where does God come in the equation? He's encouraging the people and saying, listen, God has given you everything you need, even when it's tough. You can be godly in every situation because he's given it, but you need to have a knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his goodness. He has a divine plan for your heart and life. It's a beautiful, beautiful plan. But, but, but listen, listen, either you come to church or God is your church in you wherever you go. You see, you need to recognize this is a relationship. God, you can have as much as God as you want. You just have to want God. I mean, how hungry are you? I mean, if I said I, I, we're going to go out to eat, how many are you going to get excited? <laughs> But if I said, hey, we're going we're gonna to pray tonight at 8 o'clock. <laughs> 8 o'clock, Pastor. Uh. You see, but, but if I said, wait a minute, I'm, gonna, I'm going to give everybody a brand new car at 8 o'clock, people have no problem showing up. So do you love a car more than you love God? You see, we say we love God but loving God is not just the good times. Loving God is understanding we have a precious faith and God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We should be the most excited people on the faith of the earth. And if we're not, it's not God's fault. Come on now. It's not God. You can't blame God. You stand before God's throne and say, well, God, you know, it's really not my fault. Uh, if you would have blessed me a little bit more, I probably would have been happier. no. Oh, no, that's not true. Because I've seen people who say that. You know, I, 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 would, I get a chance to see people where they have problems, real problems, and they're, they're ready to do anything. Oh, if God just do this. If God just would save me from this problem. If God would just intervene. And so I said, let's pray. Let's believe God to intervene. God intervenes. And the problem's solved. And guess what? I never see them anymore. What happened? We call the foxhole prayer. God doesn't want foxhole prayer. He wants you to really have a relationship with him. He wants you to know him because, man, to know, know, know him <laughs> is to love, love, love him. And I do, and I do, and I do. Oh, look what it says here in Colossians. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all 
our sins. Wow. Man, you want to talk about precious? You want to talk about a God who loves us in such an immense way? Peter is trying to encourage and remind them because we all need to be reminded of this precious faith. Man, my, right now I think my liver is quivering. you got to get a knowledge of God. And I don't care how long you've studied God. I had a person ask me a question. They said, how many times have you read your Bible through? And I, I, I cannot tell you. And he said, so you're trying to tell me that you have read your Bible through a whole bunch of times and you don't know everything? <laughs> now, that was something funny that day. No. I said, and I told them, as I probably have told you many times, when you get to know God, you think one day I'm going to start off as a funnel, and it's like really big, but when I start learning about God, it's going to get easier and easier, and I'll get to know more and more and more, and then I'll get to know all the answers. No, it's upside down. The funnel is upside down. You start at the narrow part, and the more you get to know of God's goodness, his greatness, and his ways, oh, his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are higher from the heaven than the earth. I don't think we can understand that because we're finite, and he's infinite. I mean, if you can understand your God, he's really small, and I don't want to serve no small God. In the Old Testament, they were serving, and, and they get defeated and stuff, and, and they would then go ahead and serve these gods that could have has no power, and yet they're serving them. I'm thinking, why are they serving a god that has no power, but yet people all around the world do so? In the country of India, they have 300 million gods. They have a core of group gods that a lot of people serve, but these are, if you ever seen them, they look ugly. They're all dead. Well, they're not, they're not, and some of them never alive. <laughs> they have this monkey god that he has a big giant statue in the city. I mean, it's huge. And when I first saw it, I said, I even, I even said that to Pastor. I said, that's one ugly statue. I'm sorry. My God's not ugly. My, god, my God's magnificent. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I can't describe him because he's indescribable. I mean, he, he's, oh, he's beyond my understanding because he's God. And they have this giant statue, just one ugly monkey. And they're strange looking if you know anything about them. Do they have any power? Do they talk? No, yeah, it, it, it has no power. But see, we have a living hope, the Bible tells us. A living hope. And his living hope moves, and he, it's a, a live God. There's a lot of people in this world that don't want God. They, don't, they won't experience God because they have not let God in their heart. But Peter's saying, for those who have been transformed, I'm telling you what, God's given you everything you need. Hang on. God's not done yet. Through time of prayer, through study, experience the true life of godliness, of just wanting to be your best friend. I mean, think about it. If you're with someone that you like being with, do you want the day to end? No. no. You're having fun. You're going out to eat, and you're at the table, and you're laughing and stuff, and you're having a good time. It's like, hey, man, this is great. See, God wants that moment with you. God just wants to hang with you. And have some good times. But in order for him to hang with you, he has to be invited in. You know, he's like Revelation chapter 3, where he's knocking on the door. you got to let him in. And then he'll come in and have sup. 
And if I'm cooking, he's going to definitely tell me how bad of a cook I am. You see, you got to realize you've got to gain knowledge, and your knowledge of who God is will give you the grace, understanding of the depth of his grace and the depth of his peace. That even when you're against the pressure, even experience some pain, God's peace is there. Let me do this. Let me read verse 4. Through these, he has given us this very great and precious promises. Someone say precious promises. If God's given you his precious promises, this is the God who created heaven and earth, everything seen and unseen, and God has spoken, has spoke to us, has given his written word, his word of life, his living word. If God has given us these precious promises, why do we forget them so often? That's why Peter's reminding them. Because he's reminding us. The Spirit of God is reminding us. So that through them you may, check this out now, participate. Someone say participate. participate. That's not spectate now. That's not like at a tennis course. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. No, participate means you get on the court and you go and you get, yeah, yeah. You participate. Because sometimes we want spectating. We just want to, oh, can I just have a comfy chair? Can I just watch people work and serve? Can I just, I like to watch. No, you lazy. (laughs) The Bible says he's given precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Now, I don't know, but this gets me all excited that you and I can participate in the divine nature of God. Come on now. The divine nature of God. Woo! Come on, someone say, I'm blessed by the best. My, my. I mean, you think about it, that we can participate in the divine nature of God and watch now and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Oh, my. Oh, man, I'm really having a hard time sitting in my skin a little bit. Because God has given us these precious promises, and instead we sometimes... We need to be reminded, and I'm trying to remind you, as Peter was trying to remind those brothers and sisters who had the like faith that have gone through some stuff and experienced this transformational power, but we sometimes do this. Nobody knows. We sing the song. The trouble I've seen. No one cares. No one to listen. Humdrum on me. I'll never be good. Man, why do you listen to those lies of the enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy? God says he's giving you life. And life more abundantly. Understand who he is, but you're only going to get it by the knowledge of God. Getting in his word, getting in his way so his works come through. Then you can touch the world as you worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, God wants you to know him, but the problem is today people want a little dab of Jesus because they feel good about it. But it's not about a dab. It's about the whole Jesus. It's about a relationship. Because if you had a friend and you only saw that friend when they wanted something, what level of depth of relationship would you call that friend? That only came around when they wanted something. They only came around because they wanted something from you. But when you needed something, where are they? Or how about when you call them and say, hey, can you help me? No, 
Yeah, sure he can. No problem. See the difference? God wants a relationship. He wants you. Look at your neighbor and say he wants you. Just tell him he wants you. All right, let me close. Let me land the plane. I'm going to land the plane. 747 coming in. <laughs> oh, my. Let me talk about the precious word that's used so often in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Peter loves this word because he experienced something special. And when you experience a, a, the, the relationship with God, listen, I've been through some tough things. I mean, it's really tough things. But God's peace has been there. Because why? I've always gone to him. He's, he's been my rock. When I've been all alone, when the night's been dark, he has been there. He has been faithful. That's why this is more than a song we sung today. This is the reality and the character of who God is. If you go to God on a continuous basis, you can, I can guarantee you, and I don't guarantee you a lot, but I can guarantee you when it comes to the word of God, God will meet you right where you are. Because as you become a steady eddy in him, God will meet you right where you are, and the best is yet to come. You haven't seen nothing. The eye has not seen. The ear has not heard. No. Nor has it even entered in the mind of man the things that God has for you. Come on now, give him some praise in the house of the Lord. He got some good things for you. He got some great things for you because you have a good God and a great God. He's on your side. Oh, man, don't make me preach. <laughs> man, we got precious promises. Let me go through a few of them, first of all. Peter in verse 7, you got to get to this, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says, that the trial of your faith, I'm going to say trial. Now, we, we don't like this verse, but you got to remember, this precious trial that you're going through, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. God says when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a test, your faith is more precious to him than gold. We think gold is all that. And gold is very precious metal. How many would like to have 10 ounces of gold right now? Yeah, sure. If your hand didn't go up, we need to pray for you. <laughs> but the reality is that when God sees what we think is so precious here on earth and we go through a trial and a test, we don't see that as precious, but God does. Because God watches how we handle the test, how we handle that time of stress, how we handle it. Do we allow God's word to be the center of our hearts? Because when you go through a heartache and when you go through a very difficult situation, man, I'll tell you what, it, it takes God sometimes to get you out of it. But when he gets you out of it, come on now, when he gets you out of it, you're stronger, you're better because he's done something in the work because precious, precious are the trials in God's eyes. He don't leave you abandoned. He come there. He pick you up. He get you going. The best is yet to come. In 1 Peter chapter 118, he says, redeemed with precious blood of Jesus Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot. Peter, once again, in 1 Peter, talks so much about the precious blood of the lamb. Why is that? Why is it? Because he loved you so much that he gave up his life for you. What is love? Sacrificial. What did Jesus do? He sacrificed his love for you. While we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for you. Come on, give God some praise that he loved you that much. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 6, this precious cornerstone. This is talking about Jesus, to whom coming as unto a living stone, chosen of God and precious, chief cornerstone, elect and precious. This is who Jesus is. Do you treat Jesus as precious in your life, or is he just more like a religion? We have a world, a world today that so much wants to discredit God. But one day, one day, every single person on the face of the earth that's living right now will meet God face to face. And this is the reason why Jesus came. So important. That's why it's so important for you and I to be the light. Now, we don't have to, how many know, we're not perfect lights. Amen? God has not called a bunch of perfect people. And if you think you're perfect, ha, you better leave. Because we're not perfect. But we're working on a sanctification when the Holy Spirit is molding us and shaping us and, and making us so that we get into the image of Jesus Christ. Every step, every way, every step, every step, every decision, every step. God's working a work. There's a transformation taking place. And it's always taking place. And one day we shall see him as he is. But I want you to know this. Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, God wanted to use the Jewish people, but they didn't do what they should have done. I want to tell you something, though. Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's pretty dogmatic. But that's exactly the words of Jesus. Remember who said that. Don't be afraid of what the word says. One day we're going to be accountable for the word, so speak the word. Amen? In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Precious is the Lord. Unto you, therefore, which believe he, Jesus, is precious. Just tell Jesus right now how precious he is. Can you, in your own words, give God and tell him how precious he is because he's worthy. He's worthy of praise. In 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, this is the scripture we're talking about today, talking about our precious faith. Again, in verse 4 of the same chapter, talking about what God has done, this precious promises. Again, in 2 Corinthians 5.8, Paul talks about precious death. What? Precious death? Yeah. Look at what it says. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But look at what Psalm says. This is a beautiful one. Psalms 116, 15. Precious is the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I often use that for those in Christ at funerals. That when this happens, all, it's going to happen for each one of us. One day it's going to happen. This is not our home. We are just passing through. But while we're passing through, we must do as much damage to the enemy's camp we possibly can. We're, we're passing through with a mission. We're passing through with a purpose, a greater purpose, an eternal purpose. But I want you to understand something right now. Precious is the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints because it's not goodbye. It's to see you later, and, and the best is yet to come. I always tell people, don't feel bad about those who pass on. <laughs> they got it better than you do. <laughs> We're still here, but that's because God has a work for you to do. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a work for you to do. Let's read that scripture one more time. Can we all read this together? I don't know how well it's going to sound, but let's give it a shot. 2 Peter 1, verse 3 and 4. Ready? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him 
who called us by his own glory and godliness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. My, just give God some praise in the house of the Lord. God has done so much for you. Peter is just going, this is a salutation, actually. <laughs> Can't wait to get into the whole message, right? And the salutation is an important thing because it's an introduction of putting some major things there. You have been blessed by God. God has given you everything you need, but have you been doing what you need to do? Have you spent time in God's word, reading it, talking to him, really giving God time? Relationships only grow in time. If you give no time, don't expect a relationship to grow. You have to give it time. Amen? Someone say time. Sometimes people think when it comes to preciousness, they say, well, time is precious. Time is precious. Family is precious. Spoken words or moments shared are precious, and all of them are true. All of them are true. But can I tell you what's precious than all that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, don't take it for granted. Don't just take it for granted. God has a plan for you, but if that plan does not come to fruition, don't blame it on God either. Because if you give God no room to work, God will sit back and wait for you to finally open your heart to let him in. That's the most important thing that you have to understand. He has already provided everything you need. You just need to make yourself study, get in the word, avail yourself to God's word, and let the spirit of God do what the spirit of God wants to do in you and through you. The best is yet to come. Can you stand to your feet? As Peter was reminding everybody about the importance of what's been provided, I wanted to remind you of what's important. Because sometimes we can, we can really miss it because we get preoccupied with life. We get preoccupied with stuff. And we don't spend really much time in God's presence. Today I want to open up the altars and I just want you to spend time with God. I want you to know that if you need strength, if you need strength, you need help. If you really want to go deeper into God's word, I believe that altars alter our life. It alters the way we think. It alters the way we become. And it alters how we make an impact by the power of the Lord, Holy Spirit. I like God to always, I spend a lot of time during the week at these altars by myself with God because I'm a firm believer. If God's going to be precious to me, I need to avail myself in time praying and seeking and doing what God's asked me to do, not living life according to what I want to do, per se, or even what I think. But what, God, what do you want me to do? How can I be your hands, your feet, your heart, and your mouthpiece? That's what living life is about. It's simple. It's simple. 
It's just a heart thing. That's all it is. It's not anything else but a heart thing. And that's the only thing that God wants is our hearts. But our hearts become callous sometimes. And when they become callous, it's hard even for God to work with them. So I want you to get a soft heart. And one of the greatest ways, if you feel God has ministered to you, you feel God is done with you, and you feel no need to spend some time in the presence of God, I pray God's richest blessings upon you, and I'm going to pray for you. But if you feel that you could spend some time in God's presence for the Spirit of God just to have His way through, you start a fresh journey, you, you really just say, God, here I am. Don't be afraid of just kneeling or standing before God as you just worship, as you talk to God. It's the greatest thing you can possibly do. You want to see God do something? Then move from your comfort zone and move towards God's holy zone so that you can get deeper into his understanding and his knowledge and so that we can go deeper into his grace and deeper into his peace. And even when problems come, you can still have peace. Peace with God and peace in God. There's nothing like his peace. Amen. Let's go before Father. Father, we are so grateful for all the provisions you have given us. We thank you for your precious promises. God, life is tough sometimes and it's hard. But Lord, because we know you, we know what your word says, we know what you promised, and we take those to heart and we remind ourselves even in the midst of the storm, it's those moments that you do something in us. So Father, I pray that you would do the same that you were doing in the people of Peter's day, you would do in our hearts. Remind us again of this precious faith. Remind us of these precious promises, of this great grace, this great peace that's find, found by knowing you, that no matter what problems come our way, you will work it out, you will rise up the testimony even in the midst of a test. And God, we pray as we surrender our hearts to you, even as those that take time, I pray you hear their hearts and touch their hearts and rise them up to become your soldiers and your people, your light and your soul for such a time as this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.